Hey everyone, it's Kira from KiraWilliamsFitness.com and today we are going to be talking about the thyroid, all about the thyroid with Dr. Jillian Tata. Um, so welcome Jillian, thank you so much for being on. Um, let everybody know a little bit about yourself and <laughs> what you do. Hey, Kira, thank you so much for having me. I'm Jillian Tita. I'm a naturopathic physician. I've been practicing since 2007. I mostly focus on digestive health. So that's kind of like the angle that you and I are going to be talking about today. I'm also very interested in like, you know, fitness and physical activity and nature and books and reading kind of a nerd. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. So Jillian has this wonderful book that I read many, many years ago, um, all about digestive health and God, like, I feel like that is the answer to like most of our problems. Um, so I'm super (laughs) excited to take it, to take this approach, but before we get too far into that, um, what is the thyroid and what does the thyroid do? Mm, All right. So our thyroid gland, it is a gland. It's part of our endocrine slash hormonal system and it's located in the neck. It's only a couple inches long and it regulates multiple aspects of, of metabolism and hormonal health. So this could be like our metabolic rate in terms of how we burn or store fuel and fat. It can be how fast our heart beats. It can be how deeply we breathe. Um, all of these things are what the thyroid does. Like it's a very important gland. It controls so much. It controls a lot and it has influence in a lot. Absolutely. Everything is tied in together in our body. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so the hormones that it produces T3, T4. Yes. What are they? What's the difference between the two? Yes. So T3 and T4, as you said, they're the two hormones that the thyroid produces. One is the so-called active form. That's T3. And then the inactive form is T4. These are like hormones are like those little chemical slash metabolic messengers that go out into the cells. They go out into the organs. They go out into the nervous system and tell them what to do or not directly what to do, but like, Hey, this is what's going on. And this is maybe what you should do as a response for this. So these two hormones help set the tone for thyroid function, which is different than the test that's often used to evaluate thyroid function, right? Which is TSH thyroid stimulating hormone. And that comes from the brain, right? So the brain is what releases TSH. It goes to the thyroid It says release thyroid hormones, T3 and T4, and then T4 has to be converted into T3, its active form, and then we're like ready to roll. So why is the TSH test not, like if you're only testing for TSH, why is that not comprehensive? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, all right. So let's, all right. So TSH, like if you're going in to your doctor and you're like, you know, I'm a certain age, maybe I'm like maybe perimenopausal, I'm feeling tired, my hair is falling out, they might decide that they are going to do like a thyroid screen. Okay. And so TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone is often used as a thyroid screen. Like they're like, all right, we're just going to check and see what's up. And if things are out of range, we will do further testing. Okay. So the reason why doctors don't test right out of the gate for every single thing 
like T3, T4, even things like auto, like antibodies and, you know, the binding index, which we can get into in a minute. Like the reason why they're doing that is because they're just using it as a screen and their range of what they call normal is quite broad. So their range is from 0.5 to 4.5, right? However, like the Endocrinological Society of North America says that thyroid disease pretty much does not exist in anybody that is from 2.5 below, Mm. right? So that range that they use is quite big. So there is a potential gap of folks who are over 2.5, but come back like in the normal range that might be having a problem. So there's like a gap, there's like a big gap there. And I'm not sure why the ranges aren't shorter, but that's why, like, that's why they don't like just do everything right out of the gate is because it's just like a screen. There is something called, oh, sorry. There is something called TSH with reflex where if the TSH comes back either too high or too low, that they will, that will like sort of trigger an additional set of labs to be ordered, like the thyroid hormones and usually antibodies, because um, most thyroid disease is autoimmune in function. But you are right, like out of the gate, like just folks going in, it's really just that single measure, just that TSH single measure. So, and we'll, we'll get into the signs and symptoms in just a moment, but if somebody feels like something is off, Mm-hmm. They go to they go to their doctor, have the regular blood panel done. TSH comes back in the normal range. Can they like can they advocate for themselves? Because I feel like this is something that a lot of people kind of struggle with. Yeah, can you advocate for yourself and just say no. Listen, like I want more. Yeah. Well, so there is something to be said for that to being like, you know what, I just would like a a broader look. And then there's also something to be said for you know when we're trying to chase down a diagnosis of something. It's not just the blood work. It's also how we feel subjectively, right? So like some of the signs and symptoms you were saying, like of thyroid dysfunction. So like a big sign of like, say low thyroid, right? Because the two are very different. Low Mm -hmm. thyroid and high thyroid are very, very different. Low thyroid is more common. So folks that are experiencing low thyroid, they're usually really tired. They're starting to get like cold all the time. They're starting to maybe have brain fog, right? So we have to use what people are experiencing, right? That's the subjective, but then also objective data, which part of that is laboratory analysis. But we also can look at other measures, like other signs of, say, low thyroid, which would be like slower reflexes, losing the hair, thinning of the eyebrows, especially like on the outer edges, constipation, like those are all very distinct, strong symptoms of hypothyroidism. So if someone goes to their doctor and they're like, Hey, I'm exhausted. I feel like I can't think straight. I'm not like, I'm struggling going to the bathroom regularly. Um, I'm a little bit anemic maybe. Right. And like, Oh, and also like all my hair is falling out. My eyebrows have fallen out and like my skin is like dry and hard that is a very defensible position to want to have more comprehensive testing from your doctor, even if you are in that normal range, which by that normal range, I would guess we're talking about folks who are in between that like 2.5 to 4.5, like the high end of normal. So if there's like subjective and objective symptoms outside of the lab, 
that someone is experiencing, again, it is a defensible position to be like, can we just like do a little bit more digging to just like fully chase this down? And so you, you know, you are a doctor, you are a functional medicine doctor. Can people, can people come to you? Like, let's say Mm -hmm. if someone like you, you're based in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. but let's say someone lives in Omaha, Nebraska, can they reach out to you and work with you? So they could. So I'm very limited with like the new clients that I personally am taking. However, I do want to tell your folks, like you don't need a doctor to order many of these labs. There is a service called directlabs.com where folks can just sign up and order a full comprehensive thyroid panel, and then just take that lab requisition and go to their local, you know, like LabCorp, you know, LabCorp is pretty like standard everywhere, like their local LabCorp or whatever blood drawing facility, and then get those labs without a doctor. So that is definitely something for your folks to pursue. I think my clinic actually has a link for that, that if you want to share with your folks, I can give them my clinic. But I also think that they can sign up like independently of like of themselves and get these labs directly for themselves, not for a ton of money either. Um, so that is definitely like, that is definitely absolutely something. And then the other thing, you know, Kira is it's, there's nothing wrong with like, if you feel like your primary care doctor is not like on your same page or like dismissing you, like it's all right to swap out. <laughs> but for folks who are stuck, um, direct labs might really be an option just because, again, like it's a, it's a way, it's a vehicle to completely bypass having to like convince a doctor that you want these tests run. Like if you're asking for these tests and they're like, no, like to me, that's just a little bit ridiculous. Like, I don't, like why, why say no? <laughs> like, why? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get that some, so often it's because they think that it's not indicated. Right. So that's why they say no. They're like, oh, you're in the normal range. You know, most statistics show that folks that are in the normal range don't have thyroid disease. However, there are certainly exceptions to that rule, particularly when there's like the TSH is above the 2.5, but anyway, directlabs.com for your people, directlabs.com, or they can, you know, you can hit me up, um, or hit Melissa up, my office manager, she can Mm -hmm. totally set you up like the link and how to work that if your folks want that. And it's just a service. It's just like a direct to consumer lab service. So it's wonderful. There's no middleman. You don't have to go through me. You don't have to go through my clinic. Like it's wonderful. I I actually was, um, so rewind for those (laughs) listening, JillianTita.com has, she's, got a wealth of information on there y'all um <laughs> actually you have a thyroid course course mm-hmm, on there. Mm-hmm. yes I do yep thyroid school it's called thyroid school um and is- I do heavily recommend it because we'll we're gonna talk about a lot of that stuff that's in there but like that school goes in pretty deep so yeah definitely I, I did I took the course I've actually taken several of her courses just because I, I am interested um but it's, it's got so much information. So if you guys are experiencing, if you have, if you know, you have low thyroid, if you think you may mm-hmm. go through her course and you will learn, you'll, you're going to uncover so much and things will start to add up and you speak in there about that lab work and where, yes. so yes, yes. And there's a lot more ways the thyroid can be evaluated, right? So we're talking mostly about hormones, but there's also something. So uh, antibodies, right, are a huge part of thyroid dysfunction. And I think we're going to get into this soon, but, you know, autoimmunity is the 
is the bulk reason for why thyroid dysfunction exists, like up to 75% of cases, right? So you also can get testing for, for autoimmune markers, for like binding capacity of like thyroid hormone. You really, really can get nitty gritty with, with the testing. And I think conventional doctors don't do that much because like, they're not really going to change their approach to treatment. They're just going to be like, well, I'm giving you levo. I'm giving you T4, like no matter what. So like, that's it. So like, who cares what the nuances are? Cause like their approach is going to be the same either way. And for, you know, for a lot of people, honey, like that's fine. Like they don't, you know, they don't care. They don't want those extra layers. They don't want the nuance. They just want to take the, the medicine and, and like, that's fine too. But for folks that want more info, more data, more nuance, like that also is available for sure. For sure. So what is the difference between having autoimmune thyroid dysfunction or non-autoimmune yeah. dysfunction? Okay. All right. So, well, so here's the thing. So the vast majority, again, about 75% of thyroid dysfunction is autoimmune in nature. So what this basically means is that the immune system is creating antibody against the thyroid, which is preventing it from making thyroid hormone. Okay. However, so that's about like 75% of the case. There are also within that and lateral to that other reasons for why we may be having thyroid dysfunction. The most common one here outside of like other like disease states or extreme stress states or extreme hormonal states like menopause or these types of things would be things like like conversion issues, like not turning, like not, not, not being able to readily turn T4 into T3, the receptor not being available, like those types of more like molecular reasons for why. But the vast majority of thyroid dysfunction is autoimmune in nature. And your, your listeners will recognize this as what's called Hashimoto's thyroiditis, right? That's the like, that's the autoimmune low thyroid disease is Hashimoto's. And if folks have been diagnosed with low thyroid, but they haven't had their antibodies tested, they absolutely should. Because even though like your conventional doctor might not like change their approach, whether you're autoimmune or not, from a more functional or integrative perspective, you do like, because there are certain things that you would do if there is an autoimmune piece versus like not, there's more you would do for an autoimmune piece. Well, which we get to talk about now. Yeah. So like, Um, so the two big things, so like truly, so the two big things, and I'll just tell you right out of the gate right now, like for Hashimoto's for autoimmune disease, the two big things, one is going gluten-free. And I know this is so obnoxious, but, um, the work of Alessio Fisano has pretty well established that anybody that has autoimmune disorders should not be consuming gluten on a regular basis. I'm not saying you can't ever have gluten ever, 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 ever again, Right. But for the majority of the time, you do want to be gluten-free. And this is because when autoimmunity is present, the presence of the gluten molecule in the gut, right? It's called gliadin. It's like a subfraction of gluten. That makes the spaces between the cells called the the intercellular junction, the tight junction between the cells that line that small intestine makes them open up a little bit right? And there we're getting the start of like increased gut permeability, leaky gut, all of those things that in turn 
worsens food sensitivity and autoimmunity, right? So we want to eliminate gluten for the most part, like at least 75%. And then the second thing that I do for pretty much most of my autoimmune folks is recommend curcumin to them. Um, Curcumin is the active component of uh, turmeric, which is that beautiful bright orange spice, that root spice. Um, And there are two forms that are heavily active. One is called the Mariva form and one is called BCM 95. I usually use the Mariva form because it's like less expensive and I think they both work the same as well. But the reason why we use curcumin is because that plant compound is capable of like quenching all of those inflammatory compounds that are generated in an autoimmune state. So those two things being mostly gluten-free or gluten-free as much as possible, you know, minus when you go to Paris and you just want to eat a baguette or like, you know, or like, I don't know, there's, it's like your niece's birthday party, right? Like have the cake. Um, So anyway, those two things, mostly gluten-free and some curcumin for pretty much all forms of autoimmunity, truly, but definitely for thyroid stuff, definitely for thyroid. Well, digestive system is, plays a huge, huge, huge factor in Mm -hmm. all of this. And so, and this is like, this is your passion. This is your Mm -hmm. wheelhouse. So I Mm -hmm. really want to talk about that. If you guys want to know more about the digestive system as a whole, Jillian and I have another amazing interview that Mm -hmm. we recorded a while back. It's Mm -hmm. on you know, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, yeah. it's there. So just, just scroll back. Uh, yep. It was a few years ago. So if you I know to- it was before the pandemic, right? Like it's like what? everything it's like, that's my new timeline is like, what was before what was pre-pandemic yep. and what's been since. Yep. This was, <laughs> this was very pre-pandemic from what I remember. As a matter of yeah. fact, I think at that point I was still recording things. Like, I think we did it over the phone. Um, so we weren't I, even um, on zoom yet. Oh no, my goodness. Zoom, yeah, we were. I don't think zoom was a thing. Zoom wasn't a thing yet. Oh my goodness. Um, so I apologize in advance for <laughs> the quality of the recording, but there's still really, really, really good information on there. I actually deleted most of my podcasts that I did. I've been doing like podcasts since for like almost 10 years. I would just call people on the phone and interview them <laughs> and record them. Yeah, um, but I, re- I deleted most of them, but I left that one because it's just the information's <laughs> oh, too good. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so yeah. much. Um, anyhow, so... <laughs> How important is our gut health to thyroid health and how do they go hand in hand? Yeah, the two are absolutely interrelated. They definitely, definitely are interrelated. One is, as you know, so like one of the predominant symptoms of low thyroid function is constipation. In many cases, it's constipation that is sort of like the triggering mechanism that get folks to either be like, I need to go see my doctor, or it's the triggering mechanism when the doctor is sort of chatting with their client, with their patient, like what's going on. All right, we're going to pursue this like as a thyroid route. So there's that piece, but on the other side, and that's because thyroid hormone basically helps both the nervous system and the cells, like the smooth muscle cells of the, of the large intestine, just sort of like coordinate and empty and organize themselves. Right. And by empty, I mean, empty the bowel. Now the other cool. So then that's the thyroid impacting the the bowel, how the bowel impacts the thyroid is that the microbiome, 
right? Which is like that enormous, vast colony of beneficial bacteria that resides in our large intestine that resides in the colon. There's about a trillion bacterial organisms. And just for perspective, most humans have about a trillion human cells. So we are like just as bacterial as we are human, which is sort of interesting to think about. But anyway, that site, the microbiome, the bacterial colony in the large intestine converts 20%, right? 20% of inactive thyroid hormone to its active form. So that's a big chunk. That's like a fifth. That's not insignificant. So when there are issues in the microbiome, right? And we call this collectively dysbiosis. That could be too few good guys, too many bad guys, too many like borderline guys, a frank infection with something, whether it's like a parasite, a pathogen, a protozoa, like a bad bacteria, what have you. Those things can create conversion issues inherently. And then that, like if you already are having thyroid dysfunction and then you have this drain on you, that can make things much worse, especially if you already are having a history of digestive dysfunction, like if you were already constipated before your thyroid sort of went out, or like if you had been diagnosed with IBS, or if it's just something that like, you know, that when you get stressed or if you're going to get sick, like it's going to show up in your gut, right? You're going to get nauseous. Maybe like your stomach is just more sensitive than others. Those types of folks definitely should shore up gut health to help their thyroid health if the two are going together because they can influence, like, I don't want to sit here and say like, oh my goodness, if you like shore up your gut health, you're going to like completely solve all of your thyroid issues. That's not what I'm saying, but I am saying those two are interlinked and interdependent. And we're talking about a good, good piece of conversion of those active hormones. Not to mention that like, if you have low thyroid and can help have regular bowel movements and ease your constipation, that in turn is also going to ease your other thyroid symptoms. So it's just like this sort of beautiful, sort of chaotic, like cycle that just is feeding into itself. Right. So it's like the thyroid impacts the bowel, the bowel impacts the thyroid over and over. So if you pull on one piece, you're going to pull on the other for better or for worse. Right. So what are some primary tactics that you utilize with your clients that they can do, anyone can do to support their thyroid health? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of like managing from the gut as well. So the the first thing really is making sure, I know making sure that they're pooping every day, especially because constipation again is like one of those primary symptoms of low thyroid, right? So very simple things for even hypothyroid is hypothyroid induced constipation would be like making sure that you're hydrated every single day, like by at least two liters every day, maybe get a squatty potty and maybe starting to take magnesium biglycinate. That's a form of magnesium that I really like because it's gentle um, magnesium biglycinate anywhere from like 300 to 450 milligrams before bed. All of that can help alleviate even hypothyroid related constipation, right? So that's one thing. The other thing that the thyroid is very sensitive to that maybe isn't directly in the realm of digestive health, but it's sort of lateral to is just the environment that we find our thyroids in, right? So I really like to recommend that folks get all um, like scent-free, color-free laundry detergent, shampoo, um, body wash, dish soap, dishwashing detergent, anything that's going on your skin or like on your clothing. So like home and body care stuff, 
reducing um, reducing the amount of synthetic fragrances and colors that you're getting because all of that is not great for the thyroid. And then sleeping, 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 sleeping. <laughs> sleeping is like one of the biggest things. So I could prattle on for a long time about what I what I do for the thyroid, but that's where I'll <laughs> that's like where I would cut it off. Um, I actually this all just kind of reminded me. Um, there's an app called Think Dirty that oh, I love it. Have are you familiar with it? No, no, but I, I'm saying I love the name Think Dirty. Hold on, where's my pen? <laughs> um, so you you can scan within this app. You can actually scan barcodes. Um, for a lot of different products, you can just simply look up products. And like, for example, um, shampoo, you can look up your shampoo and it will go through all of the ingredients that are in that Mm -hmm. shampoo and highlight ones that are kind of like sketchy ingredients. Like problematic. Yeah. Like that could be a problem. That sounds like skin deep from the environmental working group. So that's great. So this is a resource to basically identify how toxic your stuff is. Yep. Absolutely. Dirty. All right. That's cool. Well, and, and, you know, and so that's a great point Kara, because, you know, women also like they wear, they tend to wear more makeup than men do. Right. And so, and women also have the like lion's share of thyroid dysfunction. Again, it's about 75% women that have thyroid disorders. So looking at our makeup options um, to that point about like looking them up on think dirty, like that's a wonderful, wonderful point. So like cleaning up your makeup, just like the stuff you put on your skin every day, whether it's like, directly on the skin or like whether it's from your clothes oh sure or your sheets like your bedding right like your bedding or your like whatever and your air right getting an air filter like even something like getting an air purifier it sounds so like basic and kind of dumb but it actually like over time like all of that adds up because it reduces the it reduces the load on the body yeah I saw a meme yesterday that was like it's only a little, you know, um, it's like in like the things that are in our food, like it's only a little bit of plastic. It's only a little yeah. bit of difference. It's only a little bit of soy. It's only a little bit of gluten. It's yeah. a little bit of yeah. antibiotics, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit can, it can add up. And, you know, when you already have some, some stuff going on yes. uh, with your body, then that yes. it can be a load. Well, and it's worse for folks who are sensitive, right? Like it's always worse for the folks who are vulnerable, like in any capacity, right? So if you're already vulnerable and then all this stuff is building up, right? Like it, it is worse for you than it is for say someone who's like, doesn't have that sensitivity or is just like super robust in all ways. But no, I understand. Like, it's kind of like, you're never a little bit pregnant or a little bit high, right? Like it's like, it's like, um, yeah, it's just a little bit. Mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> That COVID test is a little positive. I mean, you know, so I do understand, like, it's not completely like all or nothing, right? Like, we can't completely avoid these things, because that's just like a part of being in the world. I mean, even just the air we breathe in the water, like, you know, we are definitely contaminated. But that doesn't, that also doesn't mean that we can't do anything about reducing, like reducing our loads of these things. I mean, I just, you know, I think with any, like anything else, it's everything in moderation. Yes. You know, it's like, if you know that you should be removing gluten from your diet, but you're at this place and like, you know, you want to have your kid's birthday cake and show, you know, you're showing your daughter, like, 
it's okay to eat birthday cake, like mom's yep. eating birthday cake, like, you know, yep. and doing that. It's like, sure, go ahead, do that. Yep. But like, but overly stressing yourself out to remove everything can sometimes mm-hmm. be worse than, yes, you know, allowing yes. you to see in your life. Cause you can, yes. be, you can get stressed out about this too. Yes. No, it's creating, it's, it's, it's in some cases, absolutely. It can create a problem, right? And our business is we are trying to solve problems, not create problems, right? So we, we do have to take that more sort of nuanced approach. Now, if someone is like absolutely reactive and sensitive to gluten, then like, sure. But then they're probably going to take the steps. Like they're going to make a gluten-free cake for their kid. Right. But your point is very well taken that like, we can't deprive ourselves of, I don't know, like important life experiences or like emotional experiences because we are too in our head about if we're going to eat gluten or not. How I usually coach my clients up is like, you know what, what you're buying for your house, like for what you have for yourself, pasta, I don't know, like what, like whatever's in your pantry, right? Like pastas or breads or crackers, like get those gluten-free, right? And then if you are at someone's birthday party or there's a special occasion or you're going to Paris or you're going to New Orleans and you just want to like have that beignet at Cafe du Monde, right? Like, you know, you can do it because you can have your eyes wide open to the consequences of it and all of that. So I'm really for that sort of more empowered issue than, or that not issue, but that more empowered approach, right? Like I'm going to be very strategic with how I do my gluten. If I'm going to allow myself to do gluten at all, um, I'm way more for that than more of just like the deprivation white knuckling through. Cause that it, it almost never, it, it never works. Like unless someone is like full on in celiac disease or has such severe non-celiac gluten sensitivity, there is a little bit of wiggle room. And I know a lot of people would disagree with me for that, but I have been talking to folks since 2007 about like, dietary chains and stuff. And this is just what I've, this is what I've learned talking to normal people about this stuff. Like there's a balance, like it's like a less is more approach, right? Like what's the most gain we can get, right? For like the least amount of your own personal misery or exclusion of foods or like whatever, right? So that's what we're constantly dealing with in this approach. Yeah. And then, you know, there, if we go super, super hardcore, you know, for three weeks and then it's like, ah, I hate it. doesn't it. work. Yeah. Then they're like, yeah. it. well, I guess I'll just like eat a whole thing of Danish right now. Cause I want it. And it, you know, like, so, yeah. so, and, and yeah. at that point it's like, did that serve a purpose? Yeah. You know, did that potentially make or potentially make things worse? Because now you're so afraid of food that we're, you know, you're working a you're having to like fight an uphill battle because now you've got some like food issues going on, Mm -hmm. you know, struggling with like your relationship with food. And and that's not, that's not not what we're after. That's not what we're after. Again, we're trying to solve problems, not create them. Right. So I would argue that a more moderate approach, having the birthday cake, going to New Orleans, I don't know, having a, an Italian sub or like, or what, like whatever you want here and there more moderate, right? That is going to be much more better serving and much more emotionally healthy than utter deprivation. And I'm not sure that the returns are better in someone who does utter deprivation. And I'm not talking about celiac disease, right? I'm talking about like more like this auto, like the autoimmune picture. I'm not utterly convinced that folks with autoimmunity need to go 100% gluten-free 100% of the time. Again, mostly, yes, mostly, yes. That's what the data shows. But 100% to create emotional issues and mental issues, like, no, 
no, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. So one more kind of big question about the thyroid, Um, but what role does the nervous system play and Mm. how can we support that to ultimately support our thyroid health? Yeah. So, all right. So in low, so here's the thing with low thyroid, that kind of drags the nervous system down and with high thyroid that pulls the nervous system up. Right. So with hyper hyperthyroidism, high thyroid, we get anxiety, we get racing heartbeat, we get all of that. And the intimacy there is because the nervous system, like the thyroid, regulate a lot of just like our basic metabolic functions, including heart rate, breathing rate, like all of that, like our pace. It's like our pace, right? Some, some go slow, some go fast. So that's that relationship there. And so when it comes to any type of thyroid disorder, whether it's high or low, we're thinking about true de-stressing. Um, like what am I trying to say? Like techniques, strategies. Um, so with that, it's like, it's about like de-stressing. I love that word. I didn't want to say de-stressing right out of the gate. I'm like, what's a better word for de-stressing? Like, like a strategy whereby you are taking time to like alleviate or balance or like discharge the stress from the nervous system. So that's things like sleep. That's things like going for walks in the woods. That's things like hanging out with people that you love and that actually like fill up your cup and don't like stress you out or drain you. That's like hanging out with your animal friends, right? That you like love that might be like doing plants and like gardening and hanging out in nature that might be reading, that might be singing, that might be dancing, that might be like engaging in the arts or instruments or like whatever, but like whatever helps you, that might be therapy. It might be biofeedback, but whatever helps you, I don't know, like (laughs) calm down. Like that's what we want to do more of. And then sleep is also a huge piece of that. Everybody has to be sleeping well, both for digestive health and hormonal health. It's a non-negotiable. You can't get around it. Period. 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 Yep. Folks want to take all these supplements, but it's like, are you sleeping? They're like, I sleep five hours a night. It's like, the niacin ain't going to help you, baby. I promise. I promise. promise. Go to bed. Go to bed. That like lack of sleep hurts my heart. Oh my gosh. I know we need to like, just turn this into a sleep podcast. Maybe, maybe next time we'll talk about sleep. That might be cool also because your microbiome have like their own little circadian rhythm, which is pretty cute. So that might be a cool, we'll talk about that for the future. That might be really cool. That's super fascinating. I had, yeah, yeah, that might be really cool for us. Awesome. Um, well, this is, this has been a lot. I know it's a lot. I'm sorry. No, this is really, really, really great information. But here's the thing. There's still so much more. So many questions. So many questions. Um, so for you guys listening, like I said, Jillian Tita.com. Very easy. You know, um, go to her website. She has a wealth of information on the thyroid, on the gut, and how to approach these things from a very holistic perspective. She, even in her, her thyroid school, she does talk about medications mm-hmm. and, you know, the testing, the labs that you yep. want to for it. This is, it's all there. It's on her website. It's in yep. the thyroid school. So yeah, I want to be clear. I'm not anti-medication like at all. I mean, it has its place. It's necessary. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes there's more we can do. There's a deeper look. We can, you know, we can like get down there a little deeper. 
So yeah, for folks that want to go there, let's go. Yep. <laughs> let's do it. Um, well, thank you so, so, so much for your time. Oh my um, goodness. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing all of this information with everyone. Um, and thank you guys for all listening and go to jillianteta.com. <laughs> And, yes. and get yeah, more basically income. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Check yeah. out. So it's called thyroid school. It's called thyroid school and it goes through all of this. Um, well, and more, right. Like it kind of covers some of those questions that we have that we haven't touched on. I mean, we could do like a whole weekend, like seminar on thyroid health. Um, there's just so much to it, but thank you so much, Kira. I appreciate yes. it. All right. Thank you, <laughs> thank you guys thank for you. listening. Bye.